Drums, please! Okay, guys, so welcome to the Paddy Clark Podcast. Um, this is episode three, and so far everything's been going pretty well. I've been getting some good feedback. Thanks to everyone that's been listening. I really appreciate it. That's why I do it. I didn't know how this would go, this podcast. I didn't know would anyone listen to it. And I suppose the feedback from people has been really good, and the number of listens I'm getting every week is, is growing all the time. So, um, again, big thanks. So I suppose so far, like in my podcast, chatted about myself day one, episode one, and I chatted a bit about then about my sport and my uh, experience in the marathon on day two. So I suppose like the podcast will grow and every episode I'm going to start to hit different topics and different things. But on this podcast, I just want to, I suppose a lot of people are probably wondering where I'm at with my bike riding, why I wasn't in Ross Moon. Um, I got a lot of that then over the over the Ross Moon weekend when I was um, people saying you're not racing this year, Paddy, and things like that, and a lot of why nots and uh, you know I thought you'd be down in Kerry, this kind of stuff, and like I suppose the thing about it is this year was uh, the the year gone by. I did the marathon in September. After that, I was mentally scared. I didn't do anything for kind of October and November. I started doing a little, if everyone remembers on my Facebook page when I was doing the running, I was running a 5k and then I was going down to the local green behind my house here and I was doing 50 burpees and I was doing a load of push-ups. It was short-lived. Uh, some people kind of were saying, what the fuck is Clark had going around playing in the mud? But uh, it was short-lived. Um, I did it for probably about a week and a half, two weeks. I actually was getting pretty fit, believe it or not. It's amazing what a burpee can do for your body. I, it's probably the most full body exercise i'd say if you did 50 of them a day every day for the next few months you'd be in absolute savage condition but um yeah like i i was doing that and then we had relations that came over from uh, my wife nicola her sister came over from australia and her and her um boyfriend so we were out with them a lot over the christmas period i just didn't get any cycling done like, I was working as well, so I was working right up to Christmas, and on the days I was off, I was going out with them and socialising, I suppose going out for dinner, and, and then at the weekend going out for drinks, and around Christmas itself, Asher, I was I was drinking a bottle of Bailey's a day, like, I was, um, the weight was piling onto me. By the time, by the far side, mid-January, I was kind of knocking on about 90 kilos, which I suppose a lot of you are going to think, Jesus, 90 kilos, that's a lot of weight, but... Uh, I've hit 90 kilos multiple times throughout my life. First time I hit 90 kilos was when I was in college. Um, yeah, it would have been college. Was it college? Yeah. I, I, I suppose when I finished leaving third and I got into college, Asher, I went completely mad. I brought my bike with me uh, down to Waterford, Waterford IT. And she said, all I did down there was drink. I used to be a pizza delivery driver for Four Star Pizza. I had a, I had a Honda Civic and I, used to, and I thought, I was looking for a part-time job. And one day I was just driving by the four... I actually... Let me not say I was driving by. I went to Four Star Pizza to get a pizza. And when I got the pizza, I seen a sign in the window, delivery drivers wanted. I asked them. They said, yeah. Do you know the town? I was like, well, I can get a map. And they were like, well, okay. We'll see how you get on. So I got a friend from college to come and help me. 
we were going around in the car. Like, we'd get down to Four Star Pizza. We'd have to be there, let's say, 6 o'clock, land in. And then the orders start coming in off the phone. So they'd be taking the orders on the phone. They'd type them in. Some guy would make the pizzas and they'd put them in the boxes. So then what used to happen was then you'd be given, let's say, they they try and break down the orders based on where the pizzas were going. You'd get your pizza and you'd be told, all right, Paddy, you need to go to this part of the town, deliver it there. She'd be at it all night. and She'd be driving around, driving around the states, looking for people's houses. Then by some manner of means, when, like this is before sat-navs. This is before they existed. I was driving around with a big AA roadmap of Waterford delivering pizzas. Did I had only been there maybe about a month. In this, and it's a big town, it's Waterford. A lot of estates and everything. So late at night, you'd be getting fierce hungry. Like, and every so often, like, you might open up an old combo box and you'd have an old dipper, a dipper and a wedge out of the combo box. Never took a slice of pizza ever. Uh, couldn't bring myself to do that. It'd look a bit strange handing someone in a 16-inch pizza and a slice missing and a load of tomato sauce around your mouth. Asking them for the money. I don't think they'd pay you too easily. But, uh, yeah, yeah. I think only once I ever took a dipper out. I was absolutely starving. But after the night was finished, say the pizzas that didn't get delivered on time and people didn't want, they were brought back and put under the lights on the heating shelf and they'd be kept warm. So I used to bring them home. So I was, and I used to actually, I actually used to do a final delivery run where I used to actually drive down to my brother Kieran's house. He was in Waterford as well. And I'd give him a big pizza and his mates. And then I'd go home. I could go home with three 16-inch pizzas and i put them in the fridge. Now this is my first year in college. I used to eat the pizza that night. And I used to eat the pizza for breakfast and lunch the next day. So I was just, I was gaining so much weight. I went to 90 kilos back then. They used to call me Fatrick in college. Not Patrick, they used to call me Fatrick. But, um... Yeah, I um, I suppose moving on from that, then I I didn't do any training that year, and then after that year, I I remember Castlebar Cycling Club. We said we'd enter a Rawls team, and I was told if you get fit and you get get in condition, I remember they said that to me. I I could do the Rawls. So that winter, I started training. Um, my coach at the time, um, I had John Brennan coaching me at the time for Castlebar Cycling Club, and he gave me he gave me a great training plan. Which pretty much he told me, go away and do this. I was at this point I was probably about eighty-five to ninety kilos. He said, Go away and do this. He gave me a nutrition plan. He said, Eat this. And he said, and contact me when you have it all done. Not in between when it's all done. So I went away and it was a tough training program. And I was out training every day and I was eating with such healthy like food. I was just like, it might be like obviously like standing up breakfast porridge before I went out training but then coming back and it was like a controlled portion of meat controlled portion of carbs big portion of veg no sauces no additives just clean food and the weight to start to come off me steadily I gradually lost weight I had to, my uh, my mum had to buy new jeans and everything for me because when I was when I got to 90 kilos all the jeans were too big for, I I had to buy all these new jeans and then a few months later I lost them all so I had to buy more clothes again but uh, yeah I brought the weight off me and then at points along the way I got the weight off me and I did the Rosset year and so on and I I progressed on to Belgium and everything now I came back to cycling in Ireland 2013 had a good year 2013, same 2014, same 2015. It was just after Ross Moon 2016, I damaged my knee. I actually developed a growth in my knee called a plica. And it was causing irritation on my patella. And I actually had to go in and get surgery done to have that growth removed. Um, and then what happened then after that was, well, to be honest, after it, I couldn't, I tried every form of physical rehabilitation 
prior to the surgery. I'm not a believer in surgery. I, I think try everything you can under the sun first before you go down the surgery route. I just had tried everything. And at this point, I by the time I got the surgery done, I was nearly the whole of 2016 out. Got the surgery in November 2016. I suppose I started cycling around the new year again. But after I got the surgery and when I was sat up for so long, my weight went right back up. I was up around high 80s there again. And I had to work really hard. I ended up doing the Ross. I started training in January of that year and I managed to do the Ross in May. And I had a decent Ross. That was 2016. So I got the weight off me again there. And then the next time I gained weight after that was... Um, I had my wedding in between all that. I got married in 2016. So... Yeah, I gained a bit of weight there. But then the next time I gained weight was now. It was just there over the Christmas. Uh, after the marathon, as I said, mentally scarred. And there were a lot of other things that happened to me that year. A lot of a lot of things happened that year that, you know, I like have, have that they really, they really, they, I suppose the emotional aspect of them really hit me post-marathon. And um, I suppose I was eating a lot of my feelings and stuff. And that, I would be an emotional eater. I suppose that's the type of eater I would be. That when I'm down and de- I suppose depressed about something, I would eat food in order to get over it. And I suppose that's that's a problem with a lot of people, like especially like me. Like I'd if I got up in the morning, I didn't feel good. You know, instead of going into the kitchen and um, making uh, something like really healthy for breakfast, like. Uh, I'd be as quick to walk out to the deli and get six sausage rolls and eat every one of them and a cap- drink a cappuccino on the way back. That's the kind of guy I am. That's my that's my mind. That's how it works. But um, yeah, like as I said, I had that hectic Christmas. There was a lot going on, and I arrived in kind of January February time there, and I was I was January time anyways, and was knocking the ninety kilos. Early February, I started back into a bit of training. I managed to kind of work on myself mentally and get the mindset kind of coming around. And I managed to start committing myself into a few training sessions a week. Started with some strength and conditioning, which I found was easiest thing to do because aerobically I was quite unfit at the time. I don't like going out on my bike or going running and be gasping for breath the whole session. So I started with a little bit of strength and conditioning. I find the sessions are shorter. They're mentally more manageable. I suppose you get bits of breaks between your efforts and stuff. Did that for a few weeks, come Combined with a few bike spins and stuff that brought me up to about uh, late February. Hit then into March and I started to bring the bike in and go a bit more in March. Getting a few watt bike sessions in early in the morning. Then getting out on the road and doing a bit of fasted cardio. Still had my strength and conditioning going. Kept that going through March. Starting to see a bit of an increase in my fitness now. Moved into April there. So just the month of April gone by. And I lashed some big sessions there in April. Getting out, starting to push out about 100 kilometers on the bike. Still keeping a lot of my bike work around zone two. Doing a little bit of kind of tempo work on my watt bike. Um, the odd session. But this month of April has really been about just getting out on the bike and doing sessions on the road. I have fallen back a bit on my strength and conditioning. So I probably need to up that a fraction. Uh, haven't been doing much running. I was doing a good bit of running there in March, but most of April now I didn't do much running. I find I was getting out on the bike and get that hour and a half in. So I get up at 6am, I literally get up, go to the loo, I have all my kit ready, put it on me, go downstairs. I have my bike prepped and set, water bottle filled, lights on the bike, Garmin on. I just put on my helmet and I go straight out the door. And I kind of keep it up, the spins generally around zone 2 to zone 3 heart rate. And I do my spin. Um, it takes about 40. I'm doing about 45 to 50k. So usually about an hour 15 to an hour 30 in my spin. I get in. Shower. Walk the dogs. Have some breakfast. Go to work. Come home in the evening. Relax. 
And I'm doing that about three to four days a week. And I'm getting about two long rides in alongside that a week. So I'm getting a good bit done on the bike um, now in April. Um, but with May coming now, there's a lot of races on. The Mayo League is on, I think, nearly every every Wednesday now for the next five Wednesdays. And I had kind of contemplated in doing it. Number one, for the crack and just enjoying it. Um, and I suppose the other reason... I'm, I have a load of grapes in front of me here now. Hold with me. I'm going to have a grape here. I'm, I have to open this. Yeah. So I had contemplated in um, doing it. But I just don't think I'm at, I'm at race, race fitness yet. And I suppose the thing with me is this. I always kind of like to think that um, my mindset towards bike racing is this. I don't bike race until I'm ready to bike race. I think there's, when it comes to a bike race, if you think about a bike race, there's, you break it down to two things. The variables that you're in control of and the variables that you're not in control of. So the variables that you are in control of are things like your body weight, your current fitness, like your power output, at, your power output, um, your equipment. These are things that you are in control of. The tactics you apply to the race and um, and the mindset you have going into the race. So there are things you're in control of. So right now, I'd like to think I have a good mindset. I'm in a positive place right now. Um, equipment wise, I'm in good. I'm good equipment wise. Tactically. Tactically, I'm quite astute when it comes to cycling. I'm pretty decent. I always get into breakaways and I'm always there and present when I need to be. But fitness-wise, I don't have that race fitness at the moment. And, you know, a lot of people will always say to you, yeah, well, you won't get fit for race unless you start doing a bit of racing. You need to build that race fitness within the race. I'm not a believer of that at all. I think you can get physically fit to win a bike race without going anywhere near a bike race. I think you can do it all yourself. With power meters nowadays, you can replicate power outputs, effort levels. Um, like, I think I can do it all myself. So, there's a little dog has just come over to me here. We're minding a dog here. Its name is Eve, and it's 15 years old. How are you, Eve? All I have here is grapes. She's looking for some kind of a treat. I have some up there on top of the press, but I'm not going to leave you now and go over and get them. I'll give you a treat in a minute too, Eve. Hold with me. But, yeah, what were they talking about there? I was talking about the variables that you are in control of. But the variables that you're not in control of, um, the likes of what other people are doing and things like that. I'll talk about that. If I get, in, if I get time in this episode, I'll talk about that. But as I said, the thing that I'm not in control of at the moment is my fitness. I'm not fit enough. So I know if I go to a bicycle race... And the hammer goes down. People start attacking. I'm not going to be able to respond. I'll go into the red. I'll suffer. And the thing about it is I don't want to do that. I don't want to go start racing now and have a negative experience. And all this good progression that I'm doing right now um, just loses all. Because I suppose I had to work very hard to get myself into kind of a positive mindset. Get myself into kind of a, a frame of mind where I'm training consistently. And um, I'm training and my training is becoming really progressive now. Like, I think the thing about it is, I, as a person, I suppose, anxiety might be the right word, but I suffer a lot of, I suppose, sport-induced anxiety, whereby I become really, I, re, I, be, I, I suppose some people, other people do it to me, and social media does it to me, and kind of news and stuff does it to me as well, but um, I find that I get... 
The dogs are crying here. Hold on there. I'm gonna put the dogs out. Stay there. Don't go anywhere anymore. Two seconds. Dogs, out. Stay there. Don't go anywhere. Out you go. Yeah, so, as I said, I, I do start to suffer. Sorry about this. This is really unprofessional. I, I can suffer a little bit from... I suppose, sport-induced anxiety. And that anxiety is brought on mainly by other people and social media. So, in one sense, seeing other people winning on social media through news channels, their own personal news feeds, um, like sports pages, things like this. And I suppose seeing that makes me feel a bit shit about myself. Ross Moon was on The Weekend Gone By and they were doing a live feed, which was absolutely fantastic. But the fact that I wasn't in the race, it watching the live feed made me feel like shit. It made me think, oh, this is the elite of the sport and I'm not there. And I'm usually in that position. I'm usually in that bunch every year and this year I'm not there. And it made me feel quite down inside. I actually was set to go training that day and I didn't go training. That's the effect it had on me. And then there'll be other scenarios where people, someone might win a bike race and someone will, will text me and go, oh, look, this fellow won this. And I'm looking at that fellow winning and I'm thinking back in my mind, you know, if I was really fit and I'd done everything perfect over the winter, I might beat that fella. Or I might get second there. Or I might beat that fella that came fourth. But I didn't. Again, makes me feel shit. And another thing that doesn't that makes me feel quite bad as well is the whole Strava thing. Like, Strava's a great tool and it's a great website and it's a great social platform. But... For all the positive that it breeds, breeds it breeds so much negative, delusional kind of behaviour. Like, this is the big thing about Strava that I find. It makes people completely delusional. Like, on Strava, you're not racing anyone. You're never, ever, like, if, if, you're, if, you're, if you're number one on a KOM or a segment, you're not racing anyone because... Never ever will you get the exact same conditions and the exact same situation for both people to, to go on a segment. You'll never get the same. So the playing field is never, ever, ever even. The only time that you can honestly turn around and say that you're better than someone, you can never say, oh, I bet him, I'm ahead of him in all the Strava segments around the place. That means I'm a better cyclist than him. No, it doesn't. Probably just means you had the wind on your back or you went out in a hurricane and cycled down the road. That's the truth of it. But unfortunately, people don't see that. And, you know, that's kind of just get to me a little bit as well. Then like where I'd be, I'd be, I'd be on Strava and then I get an email. Oh, oh, someone has just taken your segment. Now, congratulations to that person. And absolutely well done to take that segment. You have obviously worked very hard and you're putting a massive effort. But that makes me feel shit. When they do that, because they've actually taken something away from me. And I am I am a competitive individual, very, very, very competitive. And you know, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna point a scenario out. I used to have the KOM on Glandoff in Atty Mass. Um I had it for a long time. I took it on a really windy day with a massive tailwind going up the climb. I was first, my friend Gareth McCormick was second, and my brother Kieran was third. We were well ahead of anyone else in fourth or fifth. But after the Ross this year, Gareth was quite sick over the Ross. He, he had like um, stomach problems during the Ross. He 
He, he was flying before it. He had to battle hard to get through his Ross. And then after the Ross, he he went out and he was he was just doing a bit of testing on a few climbs. Like, he was in incredible physical condition. Way fitter than I was at that time post-Ross. He kept his training going and he, he built on from his Ross. I'm having another great pair. And he had a massive... He was going out and he was trying a few climbs, trying to get good times on them. And he took Glenn Duff off me. Now... Hats off, Garrett put in an absolutely insane time and he butchered me. But the thing about it was this. I felt bad after that. I felt bad inside because that was my climb. I owned it and it was gone. And that, when I talk about Strava... It actually made me not want to cycle because I actually believed inside I'll never get that back. I'll never, I'll never get fit enough to get that climb back now. I'll never get light enough to have the capacity to propel myself up there at that speed. Will I ever get the wind conditions to go up that climb in that, at, at that pace? It made me feel bad. So again, Strava, not a good thing. If you're finding you're a person... That's not feeling great about their sport. You're not really enjoying it. You hear it all the time. A lot of people in cycling. Like. Do you want know the truth about me in cycling? I hate it. I really do hate cycling. The only reason I do it. Is the following things. Reasons. Because my mother. Put so much time into me when I was younger. To turn me into a good cyclist. Number one. Number two. Because I've spent absolute thousands. On cycling equipment over the years. And to turn my back on it. It probably it'd probably make me feel really down inside that I wasted all that money. And then number three, I genuinely just hate putting on all that cycling kit, having to get that bike ready, going out on the road, and people nearly driving over me, left, right, and centre. My God, I go cycling and they're just everywhere. They're overtaking head on into me, and I, I wear a high vis, I have a front light and a back light. I'm more visible than a motorbike. And they're just driving at me. It's like, it's a free-for-all. Trucks, car coming down the road towards me. I look behind me, there's a truck coming. And then he starts overtaking me into the oncoming car. Like, it's madness. Now, everyone's going to say, cyclists shouldn't be on the road. Go away and pay your motor tax. Go away and cycle in a field. Go cycle up a hill somewhere. Roads aren't made for bikes, and they're probably right. But the bottom line is this. I don't like it as a sport because of those following reasons. And, like, you know... The one thing that keeps me going at it is the fact I know that with the right training, I can do well. And in order to get this right training in, like as I said, I, I had a really good year in 2014. Um, I had a very clear mind in 2014. I came back from Belgium in 2013. I didn't have a great start to the year in 2013. I overtrained. I trained too hard because I was working and training, whereas 2012 I hadn't worked. And I tried to continue 2012 into 2013. Didn't work. I actually became a little bit chronically fatigued. During the Roth in 2013, I bust my fingers. I had to hold on to a car. I was disqualified. I, with my fingers, they were all bust up. I took about three, four weeks. I took about three weeks off the bike. I took those three weeks off. My body, obviously, I obviously overcame that chronic fatigue. And I managed to have a really good finish to 2013. I was... I won the the Connet uh, Champ Road Champs by about eight minutes. I think it was the gap I had over other riders, and 
second and third place. That's how much I rolled into them. Then went and got ninth in the national championships. Um, then in then in two thousand fourteen, I continued on from that, and I just was really positive. I kind of went in two thousand fourteen, and I had no real pressures on me. Um, I was cycling with Fit Science, and like I was just I was just enjoying my bike so much. It was just so much. I, it was actually fun in two thousand fourteen, and the results have started rolling in. All those, I suppose. I had that fitness and I had that condition. Like, remembering I had raced pretty much at nearly professional level on Belgium for three years. But I've been racing at pro level, doing pro commissions. And I suppose the thing about it was, like, I came back then and I had a good year in 2014. 2015, I started to struggle a bit because after the good year in 2014, in 2015, I just had a bad year i didn't have, didn't have a progressive year because too much pressure i put pressure on myself this is what i'm talking about that anxiety thing i started to put pressure on myself i started to tell myself i should be better than him i should be better than him i had a few bad results instead of walking away from them and just keep them really positive and going do you know what you had bad results nothing you can do about it walk away put it behind you focus on what's coming up ahead i actually just started to get hung up on things and at the end of 2015, I yeah, I'd won plenty of bike races and I'd had some big, big performances. I won the God of Champs again. And, you know, like, and I'd won a load of races in Connacht. But then, I suppose the thing about it was I just didn't do what I had hoped to do. I didn't achieve what I'd hoped to achieve. And 2016, as I said, I got the injury. But right now, you see, I'm trying to keep myself really, really positive. I'm trying to keep everything that I'm doing positive. So I've actually gone onto my Facebook and I've removed everyone. I've unfollowed everyone and everything that I think is going to give me any kind of anxiety towards my training and my sport. I've cut them off. I've gone onto Strava and I've removed everyone off my newsfeed on Strava. And I've privatized everything on my own completely on Strava so no one else can see it. And I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm creating a bubble around me. I'm creating this bubble around me and... Uh, I'm within in it and I'm what happens outside my bubble I don't give two craps about I don't care who wins what or who does this or who does that I don't care I'm just focusing on me inside and I think that's the that's the way that I need to be and I think that's the way a lot of people actually need to be if you're finding that you're you're I wouldn't say struggling but you're not enjoying your sport right now and you're finding that you're feeling a bit under pressure you need to do the same thing you need to cut off because we never had so much of an overload of information ever in our lives through the likes of social media and and the way we can communicate with each other it's a fantastic thing but it can cause so much anxiety in people and pressure on people. And right now I have just I was the king of social media. I I was just on everything, commenting everything, doing everything, on every post and making videos, everything. But right now, I've I've actually cut back because I need to cut back for myself. I need to cut back and I need to allow myself to take a step back and start to build. And I will reach a point where I've built to a level inside of that bubble that I'm ready to come out. And when I come out of that bubble to race, I'm going to come out with all guns blazing I'm going to come out and I am going to kill
I'm going to come out and I'm going to be in Terminator mode. That's what you need. And before I come out, I am going to have prepared myself mentally. A mindset like, like a piece of wrought iron. That can't be bent, intimidated, broken or in any way affected. I'm going to come out like that. But until then, I need to be building. And I'm going to keep building. People talk about going underground. Going underground and operating covertly. I, I, I'm telling you all what I'm doing. You know what I'm doing. But what I'm also doing is I'm making sure the only thing that's available to me is information about myself, not information about other people. Now, if you want advice, you want help on any kind of coaching or anything, drop me a message. I'm glad to just write back to you and give you a bit of advice and stuff. Um, but the bottom line is this, as I kind of said, going forward, that's my approach. So next week, what I'm going to do is I'm going to try, I suppose I don't want to turn this into an, a, like a video, like a, you know, like a, a video post, but actually I want to make my podcast interactive. So I have two approaches. Approach number one, people, I'm going to get either a phone set up with a number that you can call the number. So you can actually drop me a call or a WhatsApp call and I'll actually put you live on the podcast. And you can ask me questions live on the podcast. Hopefully nothing too explicit. But if you ask me questions, I'll answer them on the podcast. It makes things a little bit more interactive. I'll also allow people to message into me and uh, chat to me. But in order to do that, I suppose I'm going to have to have a live stream going. So it's hard to know. Maybe I might set up the number and people can message the number on the page. But I was going to do a live stream. I'm eating these grapes, though. I was going to do a live stream on um, Facebook while I was doing the podcast. So I'd have the camera on me. I'd be recording my podcast. You can chat to me. You can ask me questions, and I'll answer your questions then. So questions on nutrition, questions on training, and I'll, um, and I'll feed back information to you. I think I might go down that route. We're coming up, bang on, 30 minutes in three, two, one, that's 30 minutes of chit-chat. So on that note, I'm going to head, hopefully you've enjoyed this podcast, hopefully I didn't waver off or waffle too much, bear with me guys, hopefully I'll get better, and hopefully the information I'm providing you, you're finding it both entertaining and educational, and maybe something I say might help you. All right, take it easy, good luck.